This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, Season 8, Episode 13. Welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network of shows, brought to you by Mountain Man Medical. Today is Friday, May 19th, 2023, as of the recording of this episode. I am your host, Riley Bowman, and I'm joined today by our co-host and producer, Matthew Marister. That's me again. What's up, man? Doing great. We have missed all of you out there. Facebook peeps, YouTube peeps, those of you that are catching this after the fact, not live, you know, just in the podcast feed or whatever. Uh, but uh, been lots going on here at headquarters, and uh, but uh, some travel involved in there too, trips and classes and events. A couple weeks ago, uh, we, we were sponsors at the a Girl, a Girl and a Gun National Conference, and I was teaching there, and Jake was there helping, and... Um, that was a great time. The very next weekend, I was off in Tennessee teaching a class. <laughs> so uh, it's been, been a busy time. But I am thrilled to be with you today, uh, all of you viewing or listening. And I'm also thrilled to be with my friend Matthew, uh, able to do the podcast since it's been a couple of weeks. So welcome. Well, um, as we are kind of experimenting with a little different uh, format or flow with things, uh, Today's episode, by the way, is the news, and we're doing industry news and legislative updates. Uh, So I'm looking forward to sharing some of that with you, Uh, but we'll also get to sponsor messages throughout the episode as opposed to giving them to you right away. Uh, So um, we're going to jump right into it. I do want to make a quick note, though, that since it's been a little while since we were able to do a news and legislative update episode... Uh, that there's been a lot that's happened the last couple of months. And so we've probably missed or or probably are missing some things from this episode. So if there's something that you're really passionate about that you're like, doggone it, Riley, Matthew, why didn't you talk about, you know, this thing happening in my state or this federal thing or whatever, uh, just know that there's a lot of things that we could talk about. And we always have to make a choice for every, every one of these episodes, which ones we are able to do within the time frame that we have available. Welcome, Connor and Eddie watching live. Appreciate you guys. Thank you, Eddie. I'm glad you love this show. Thank you so much. So let's get, go ahead and get into our stories. Our first one here today, uh, Matthew actually is responsible for a lot of our, our uh, stuff today because he's done a great job covering a number of these legislative issues uh, on concealedcarry.com. So right off the bat, Matthew, tell us about this prohibiting 18 to 20-year-olds from purchasing handguns ruled unconstitutional, a federal judge in the U.S. US District uh, for the Eastern District of Virginia recently ruled on. Pretty interesting, cool, cool news, I think. Yeah, so this is, this is cool. This just happened, uh, I think, last week. Um, possibly this week, uh, Wednesday. So this week, um, and essentially, uh, there's a case called Frazier, uh, versus the ATF. And essentially this, uh, this kid, he's not 21 years old, but he wants to buy a handgun. And so, um, the federal law prohibits, um, uh, someone who's 18 through 20 years old from buying a handgun through, through an FFL. 
Right. Um, individual states can, you know, can limit possession and things, but the federal government it doesn't prohibit possession, just you can't purchase it through an FFL. Um, and so. And, and this, likewise, if you want to buy ammunition for a handgun, right. same Absolutely. thing to, as there as well, which is always kind of tricky. Cause even if you are able to possess one in your state legally, uh, can be challenging sometimes to, to buy the ammo for it. But anyway, sorry, yeah, continue. And, no, no, that's a good point. And so uh, it, it ties into this really well because, um, you know, th- this kid wants to buy, um, well, he's not a kid. To me, he's a kid. Uh, this young man wants to buy a Glock 19X, goes to a FFL, uh, is appropriately or uh, per the law um, refused purchase. However, he's a, you know, uh, the court recognizes that he's uh, has no criminal history. He's an otherwise responsible adult American citizen uh, who isn't prohibited otherwise. Not you know convicted of uh, being you know having any mental issues. Uh, you know um, fugitive of justice, dishonorable discharge, all those things. Right. Uh, so essentially, the only thing prohibiting him is the um, uh, Gun Control Act, nineteen sixty eight, that made. Uh, this age distinction for purchasing handguns. So he sues, uh, sues the government and says, this is unconstitutional. And, um, and the judge comes back and basically agrees, not basically he does, um, and says, yeah, this, this is, uh, this is not uh, constitutional uh, behavior. Um, You know, uh, there, there, there's a 70 some page, uh, opinion, 71 page opinion that this judge, uh, releases, uh, on his, uh, his, you know, ruling here. And it's really interesting because there are several, um, arguments, sub arguments. They, in essentially a lot of the things that we talk about with gun control advocates about, you know, the second amendment in general, like what does it mean to keep and bear arms? And the second amendment really only covers this behavior, not that. And one of the things they talked about was, you know, well, the, the government argued, well, the, you know, the second amendment doesn't, you know, it, it covers keeping and bearing arms, but it doesn't say anything about purchasing. And so, you know, um, an adult, uh, or, a uh, somebody who's a, a parent or a, um, guardian can purchase, a handgun for uh, somebody who's 20 to 21 years old or 20 through, uh, 18 through 20 years old and, and give that to them. And it's not a straw purchase. It's, it's, uh, it's totally legal. And so the government's argument is like, well, they can keep and bear them. They just can't purchase them. So it's not really a violation of the second amendment. And so, uh, the judge, uh, in, in the ruling does, does a good job of, of, of fleshing that out and, and, um, it's really interesting. And so, you know, I don't know, I might be a little weird this way. I, I, I'm sure you like reading these types of rulings from judges and stuff and see the actual reasoning behind why they rule one way or the other. Um, and I, I thought it was fascinating. So I, I put a lot of that uh, in, in the article and you can get the articles in the show notes, links to all the articles and um, you can access the, uh, the complete, uh, you know, ruling from uh, Judge Payne. Um, but it's, it's well worth the read, especially if you regularly or find yourself in conversations with, um, anti-gun individuals or, or just want to have a better idea of, you know, how, um, these judges are interpreting gun, um, 
restrictive laws, uh, Second Amendment, dealing with Second Amendment issues. So uh, pretty, pretty interesting uh, read if you have the time. Now, it didn't change the law. Current law is still the same. Um, but uh, because there, there's likely to be, obviously, um, uh, appeals and, and that whole process. But um, this is a, this is a good a good uh, path, I think, uh, first step. Yep. Yeah. I mean, this this set this kind of sets the stage for what comes next. Which typically with these sorts of things, there will be uh, by the government in this case an appeal on this ruling, and this will get pushed up the chain to higher and higher levels of uh, the federal court system. And uh, kudos to this uh, young man, John Fraser, uh, for uh, being brave enough to lead the charge in this whole thing, you know, because if, uh, and I suspect this was probably done as is not uncommon in such cases, somewhat intentionally to go in and say, hey, I want to buy this gun, knowing that they're going to be denied and then knowing that it's going to set the stage for a, a case to be made. So kudos to this, to this young man for challenging something that's been a law and has been in effect for a couple of decades, several decades actually now. So um, yeah, like this is, this is fantastic. I, I just put a question up on the screen. Uh, what do you all, what do you all think? This is, this is to our listeners and viewers. What do you all think about this ruling to, to permit 18 to 20 year olds to purchase handguns, especially as more States are look changing or looking to change the laws to raise the minimum purchase age for all guns to 21 or more. Uh, as is the case here in Colorado and Washington state has done that. I think Oregon either did or or is anyway. So yeah, um, more and more states are looking to actually raise the eight, the minimum purchase age for all guns to 21, which is hilarious to me because on the one hand, like that's arbitrary regardless, you know, uh, I know that the, the thought process is well, 21 year olds more mature, I suppose, than an 18 year old. Uh, at least that's the argument, right? Because I think that some of these anti-gun groups are like, hey, there's basically, you know, graduating seniors that are able to walk in in their senior year of high school, buy guns, and then go commit a school shooting or something like that, you know. But, um, hey, if you can go and serve in the military, if you can vote, uh, you are an, a, a, a rights-possessing adult, a citizen of this country, by golly, the Second Amendment should apply to you too. And that's essentially what... Uh, Judge Payne took in this ruling, and I, I love the way he um, how how he you know uh, approached this. Uh, and frankly, he quoted from the Bruin ruling, uh, the Bruin case, saying how his his standard that he used, Judge Payne used in this case, was looking at Bruin as an example, which is now U.S. Supreme Court case law, the law of the land. Uh, where the Second Amendment's plain text covers an individual's conduct, the Constitution presumptively protect, protects that conduct. The government must then justify its regulation by demonstrating that it is consistent with the nation's historical tradition of firearm regulation. Only then may a court conclude that the individual's conduct falls outside the Second Amendment's unqualified command. Uh, that's really powerful stuff right there. And, and I think if we look at the historical record, uh, what we will find is that it, there's a long history of 18-year-olds 
possessing all manner of firearms and weaponry. So <laughs> the Bruin uh, decision here is coming in clutch uh, with uh, with the win in this ruling, I would say. Uh, and, you know, when we talked about Bruin, when that first came out, I was, golly, it's been almost a year now, right? I think it was May or June of last year. Um, we, we knew this was going to have quite a bit in the way of ramifications for other things to follow. So there you go. Appreciate the comment from Jonathan here on Facebook. If you are of age to vote as a full citizen, then have it had then have at it checking in from Pennsylvania. Have a great weekend. Well, you have a great weekend too, Jonathan. Good stuff. Let's go to our next story here. New York state sues mean arms over their AR 15 magazine lock. Uh, mean arms, uh, kind of an up and coming manufacturer of, various uh, particularly ar-15 type parts and accessories and things like that kind of doing some innovative stuff uh, they they uh i think they're based in georgia if i recall correctly they came up with this they call it the ma lock uh which is intended to be a device to make uh, you know guns like an ar-15 in the state of new york or perhaps like california or that you know those types of states that have uh strong or strict restrictions on uh, the possession of AR-15s, and so to have a an, a New York legal AR-15, you got to have a fixed magazine that does not have a greater capacity than ten rounds. So the mean arms lock, the MA lock, uh, is a is a means. For, <laughs> it's funny, a lot of redundancies mm-hmm. here. It's a means to to allow you to create an AR-15 that has a fixed, uh, non-removable magazine, at least without doing, you know like actual mechanical and somewhat in some cases destructive type work. The the mean the MA lock is actually installed and part of the installation process is you tighten this device into the magazine catch portion of the Air 15. The part that you use to tighten with a wrench or or a socket actually uh, breaks off. There's actually a shear line where it shears off. So you can basically twist this component together which assembles it from the two sides of the AR-15's lower receiver. And then as you're tightening it, then that the, the hex kind of, you know, bolt head side of it is going to shear off. And now you essentially have this permanent installation of a magazine catch that you can put at that point, you can put a magazine in and that magazine will be locked in and you won't be able to remove it without some disassembly. And so that was the whole idea here with the MA lock. Well, here you have a lawsuit by the state of New York, the attorney general coming after mean arms who isn't even based in their state, but they're coming after them. And basically their argument is that, um, you know, cause, cause what, what happened was the Buffalo, New York mass shooter was using an, a New York, com- what, what started as a New York compliant AR 15, that shooter modified his AR 15 to then be able to remove magazines and reload. So then he commits that shooting, which was, of course, was a terrible tragedy. Uh, but, you know, these types of cases are always so fascinating to me, Matthew, because it's it's sort of like, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of like, you know, when you're reading the labels on like your hairspray or something that you have, <laughs> that you're, you might have in your, uh, um, you know, medicine cabinet at home or whatever, or on your counter in the bathroom, you know, has all kinds of disclaimers about what to do and what not, especially what not to do and how it's flammable and dangerous. And Hey, if you're using this in a manner that's 
not consistent with uh, the instructions, then you know that that's prohibited or illegal in some cases, as they like to say. Um, which you know, obviously, some kind of lawsuit somewhere, some kind of team of attorneys has encouraged companies to put all kinds of disclaimers on things. Basically, the argument here is that, uh, uh, yeah, okay, so there was a, a an MA lock installed on this shooter's rifle. Uh, he then destructively removed that or modified it in some way so he could reload his mags. Uh, and, uh, now it's the fault of the manufacturer of that MA lock mean arms in this case. And so they're being sued. And part of the case seems to be based around the fact that on the packaging for an MA lock, if you were to buy it from mean arms, it has instructions for how to install it. And consequently, it also has instructions for how to uninstall it, which again is a destructive means. You have to use essentially a, 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 uh, a stripped bolt or stripped screw removal tool to uh, basically unscrew this thing from itself while it's installed on the gun. There's also another tool if you disassemble or take apart the uh, two receivers uh, and take apart the the base plate and the spring and follower of the magazine, you can then use a tool to, to reach in there to, to pop the magazine body out of the rifle as well. Um, but the, apparently at, at at issue here is the fact that they have instructions for how to uninstall this device, which is hilarious to me because, um, you know, an, an argument that could be made is, well, maybe you move to a state where now it's legal to remove that device and you would want to do so. I think that's fair. Um, or maybe there's some other reason, you know, that you need to uninstall it. Maybe, uh, maybe the device fails. You need to replace it. You need to, un- you know, like there's so, so many different, scenarios you could come up with as to why a person might need to install that device, right? Uh, the point is, is you're not going to be able to uninstall it while the gun's in use and while you're in the commission of a crime. Um, and so you're either in compliance with New York state law or you're not. And, uh, you know, how do we regulate that? Well, we, 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 we don't because criminals are going to be criminals, man, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah. dude, dude could have driven across the border and, you know, did a, purchase of a non-compliant rifle and brought it back like it, it's such a, a pointless thing and to come after a company just because they have instructions for how to uninstall something that you might have installed yourself in the first place is ridiculous to me yeah in in uh this is a uh, what's her name the leticia leticia uh, james james yeah um in you know, and she she even says um, it, it, part of this uh, lawsuit is that um, she's saying that they are that Mean Arms is aiding and abetting the illegal possession of assault weapons in New York, and I just find that it, it's so strange because they're actually selling a product that makes <laughs> in a, a, a New York non-compliant AR-15 compliant with their law. Right. So, like, just because they're they're providing the means to be able or or the directions to able to to remove a product that is installed, um, now they're actually it it just it doesn't it now there's you know they're not helping to to make rifles you know more compliant. They're actually aiding a criminal. Like, I I just it it doesn't make sense to me, and um, I don't know if it's a you know, general intent or specific intent, you know, uh, you know, aiding and abetting some sort of criminal action. But I, I, I just, I think it's hard 
to prove or to show or to connect like this company with them putting a removal instructions on their package to some sort of nefarious or criminal like like in, in you know kind of encouraging people to 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 violate the law it, it doesn't it, it, yeah. i mean i think it would be it's appropriate for a company who who makes a, a product that is installed to all, actually also show them how to how the the consumer how to take it apart too right like that's just natural like that's that's what you do as a as a as a manufacturer of a product like this is how you install it this is how you take it apart like it yeah. has nothing to and do again with- requires somewhat specialized tools and is destructive anyway so like yeah it's it's just so interesting to me Yep. Well, there you go. That's uh, and that's New York State for you too. I mean, it, it probably comes as no surprise to really anybody. Um, and if you live in New York State, I'm sorry, but I hope that you'll be involved in legislative issues that you're in your well, both your local area, but also at the state level, and try to affect some change. Whether you think it's a hopeless cause or not, we got to keep up the good fight. And this kind of stuff should not stand. Before we get to our next story, uh, hey, today's one of today's episode sponsors is CCW Safe. For the best self-defense legal coverage, in our opinion, turn to CCW Safe. You can check out a variety of plans. The ultimate plan, which is what I have and what I recommend, because you get everything, and it it's I think it's very reasonably priced for considering the coverage that you're provided. Uh, CCW Safe is well known and well regarded uh, as far as their reputation with how they stand behind their members as they have proven and demonstrated in actual cases and will really truly go to bat for you. All the way to the point of if you listened to the Stephen Maddox interview that we did quite some time ago now, it's been a couple of years, where he talks about how CCW Safe's team came out, spent time with him on the ground. Uh, the the uh, National Trial Council for CCW Safe is uh, Don West, a very experienced trial attorney. We've interviewed him on the podcast before. Don West spent his personal time prepping Stephen Maddox for that trial. So that's the kind of service you're going to get from a company like CCW Safe. Check them out today. Go to ccwsafe.com. Check out their ultimate plan. You can also look into their defender plan for uh, intended for concealed carriers and also their protector plan, which is geared towards LE and military professionals. Check them out today. CCWSafe.com is our website. Use the discount code CCPODCAST to save 10% off of CCW Safe membership today. And Guardian Nation members, that's our special membership program. If you're already a Guardian Nation member or if you want to become a Guardian Nation member, you will save 20% with your special members only discount, which I can't give over the air. You'll find that in your members dis, uh, members dashboard area on the site uh, to get that 20% off of CCW Safe membership. Check them out, ccwsafe.com. Prosecutors dismiss, dismiss charges, but don't clear Alec Baldwin in fatal shooting. Uh, you covered this one, Matthew, as well on the concealedcarry.com site. So basically, I mean, people I think are generally pretty familiar with the Alec Baldwin case. We've we've talked about it on the podcast, uh, you know, d- done some coverage of it. Talked about the incident, of course. Uh, basically, that's you know, there was a point where there were no charges being filed, and then there were charges filed against Alec Baldwin and also the gunsmith or the armor, the set armor in this case. Um, there, so there were charges filed, and then apparently, due to the fact that the prosecution. Se- uh, does not appear to be able to complete their investigation on the case 
to in, in time before the preliminary hearing, uh, which actually should have already taken place by this point. Uh, and so due to that, basically the prosecution not being able to be ready in time, they decided to dismiss charges. Uh, but that doesn't mean that they won't be able to refile charges again, should they decide to do so. And whether they will or not, we don't know. Matthew, what's some of the other uh, key points on this uh, news update? Yeah, um, you, you covered most of it. The The only other um, interesting part is they didn't dismiss the charges against the armor. Uh, and so um, whatever whatever case that seems to be continuing um, uh, ahead, you know, as, as planned. And my, my skepticism in the whole thing is, you know, I was shocked when they actually brought charges against him because, you know, this seems to be, you know, a, a different standard when you're uh, when you're popular or well connected, and um, and so when they brought charges, I was like, well, you know, that's that's not that I want like a, you know I I have it out for any specific person. I just think that you know if if the, if if this were gonna would happen to anybody else, I, I would want I would want anybody to be held accountable um, appropriately. You know, given a. a, a a proper hearing and, and trial and, and legal representation and all that, just because Alec Baldwin is an anti-gun nut and is a hypocrite. Like, you know, it, it can seem like we just want to pin it, you know, we want to stick it to him. But the truth is, is, is that, you know, he claimed that the gun went off and he never pulled the trigger. And there's a forensic investigation on the gun that said that's, that's factually untrue. He, he, he pressed the trigger period uh he was the gun was in his hand it was aimed at a human being um and to if, if there are no consequences to that um individual consequences i don't know how you know we're not we're if there are no consequences to to those actions um i don't know how people can have trust that the the, the legal system or, or justice system is, is fair um, in general, and, and that might be hyperbolic a little bit, but I'm just saying, you know, it, uh, this was not a, a, you know, unavoidable accident or anything like that. This is completely avoidable by him. Um, and it, I don't know that maybe, maybe charges will be coming, um, in the future, but, uh, I don't know. I hope they just don't stick it on, you know, this armor who, who had culpability or had, you know, yeah. um, but you hate to see somebody take be the you know the the sacrificial lamb for for Alec Baldwin so he can you know they give the the people a pound of flesh and he walks away and uh, continues to make make millions on movies and stuff so right I don't know right my opinion yeah I mean we we obviously know that there was all kinds of negligence and and mistakes that were made on uh, that set uh, whether it rises to the level of a criminal uh, case or not you know I I'm not privy to that. Uh, to that level of information or judgment. But uh, you know what I did learn recently, fairly recently, it's actually, mm, I don't know, two, three months ago, I was, I don't know how I discovered it or stumbled upon it. But uh, I found this really interesting. The the set armorer, uh, her name is Hannah Gutierrez Reed. Well, that last name Reed is an interesting name. Okay. And, and here's why. Her father is Thel Reed. And I came across that and I was like, that name is really familiar. Why do I know that name? 
And her father is also re- well known in the Hollywood Hollywood scene for being uh, a master gunsmith, set armor. You know, he's consulted on tons of movies over the years, like decades. He's he's been a, a consultant on movies, especially with respect to gun handling, quick draw, western movies, and things like that. Here's what here's why Thel Reed has ex, ex, uh, expertise in that area. If you'll go back to the leather slap match days back in the early late 50s early 60s that jeff cooper set up in big bear uh, california uh one of the winners of the like annual event that they held there the leather slap matches was thel reed a young up-and-comer rising star known for being ridiculously quick on the quick draw from with a with a revolver um just just phenomenal uh, hand speed and and performance uh he he was real up and comer and, and competed in a lot of different matches for, through through the years and that eventually led to him getting his his jump start as a consultant in hollywood for uh gun handling shooting those kinds of things and, and becoming a set armor and stuff like that so i thought that was an interesting connection and that that, that goes way back to some of the early history of kind of what i mean that's kind of the beginning of Jeff Cooper really. And, and a lot of things that he developed and later came, you know, things like the modern technique and, and all that, that frankly, we all um, owe a lot to Jeff Cooper and we owe a lot to that history. And Hannah Gutierrez Reed's father is a part of that history in a big way. He's still alive to my uh, last I checked. Uh, so, but it's a lot of the guys from that era are not. So that's, that's kind of interesting. Just thought that was interesting as I came across that randomly one day. All righty, let's go to the next story here. Uh, Nebraska governor signs constitutional carry into law. So uh, this this came out just a couple weeks ago. This is this is new news, if you will. I think this makes the count twenty seven states in the United States of America that have some form of constitutional carry. More than half of the U.S. allows you to possess or to carry and or conceal and carry a firearm on your person without necessarily having a permit to do so. That's pretty remarkable. You know, I was recently in a conversation with a friend who was lamenting of how, um, you know, there's so much under attack with respect to the second amendment, which is true, by the way, uh, we're seeing that on a number of fronts. Heck, even right now, there's a bill going, you know, trying to make its way through committees and things in the, I think it's in the U.S. House. Uh, no, actually, I think it might be on the Senate side. Uh, that is, it, the intent is to prohibit uh, suppressors. Like, just flat out, no more. Uh, which is, like, why Why are we going after that? Why are we going after that now? Like, <laughs> there's so many things that you anti-gunners could go after, right? But why that? especially where countries all over the world don't even regulate suppressors because it's just a, it's just a, an accessory and it makes, you know, it's, it's a good thing from a, from a hearing protection standpoint. So anyway, point is there's a lot going on. Um, and yeah, a lot, the second amendment is under attack, but there's a lot of good things going our way too. And so we need to not forget that. Uh, the fact that we have more, more States than ever, um, that, well, first of all, and some of this has, you know plays into the Bruin decision as well. But all you know, all fifty states now got to have some some means for 
allowing you to get a permit to carry concealed in the first place. And then more and more states are allowing you to carry concealed without a permit. More states are allowing you to carry openly, should you choose to do so. Um, so many good things going for us in the terms of, of, of the Second Amendment and what it means for us. So that's that's good. I and mean, we, we need to recognize that stuff. We also can't you know let our guard down with respect to the different attacks that are that are coming and are are taking place right now. But uh, kudos to Governor uh, Pillen, I think is his name, uh, mm-hmm. Jim Pillen, Governor Pillen in Nebraska. Kudos to you for signing this constitutional carry bill into law in the great state of Nebraska. Very cool. Yeah, good, good thing. Good thing. Um, yeah, it's funny because we continue to hear that nationally, you know, people are in favor of gun reforms and all this and they never and until you actually define out like what people what gun reforms are people actually in favor of and what are they not um you know i I think the general question is like are you in favor of common sense gun reforms and most people if they're just asked that question they'll be like yeah i mean i guess i probably am you know what i mean if they're not aware of the 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 topic or anything it's presented in a way that sounds reasonable and so they're like yeah i'm a reasonable person so yeah i'm probably so they're like okay they're in favor of gun reform and then you know the so they'll connect that to like you know universal background checks or 21 you know years old to own everything and banning all kinds of firearms except you know muzzle loaders or whatever some crazy stuff they want to do and it's like i don't think that that's the general consensus as far as at the state level we see quite the opposite so i don't know especially in the conservative states yeah for sure cool matthew tell us about uh this other you got another article here on concealedcarry.com uh feds to pay 144 million dollars in a lawsuit for fatal nick's blunder and texas mass killing this is referring back to the uh, Sutherland Springs, Texas shooting, which occurred at the First Baptist Church of Sutherland Springs. This is the one that uh, you know many people are famously familiar with. Uh, Stephen Williford, who stepped in and, and certainly helped bring that to a conclusion in a big way, uh, in a heroic way. But uh, you know, there's been this case going on for quite some time now, looking for uh, reparations, if you will, to you know, families and, you know, survivors of, uh, the, uh, Sutherland Springs, Texas shooting. Uh, we know that the, the air, the United States air force, uh, or some part of it, some, you know, division within the air force was at major fault because, uh, the perpetrator of that mass shooting, uh, you know, had been discharged dishonorably from service after convictions for assault and sec and, and, domestic uh, violence and, and stuff, you know, he said he fractured his child's skull and assaulted his wife. Right. And that's something that should have been reported to the next system and was not right. Mm-hmm. Um, but apparently also the department of justice has been found liable as well in some fashion here. Uh, tell us uh, what's the, uh, what's the, what's the skinny here on this whole case here, Matthew. Yeah. So, um, you, you covered it perfectly. The, this, the killer, um, he passed two separate background checks, uh, to purchase a firearm. So he purchased them. Technically he purchased them legally. Now you could argue what that means because he also, he, he actually lied on the, uh, 4473 forms, right? Like, because it asks you if you've been dishonorably discharged, it asks you if you've been, um, 
convicted of cr- uh, domestic violence uh, charges. Um, so he, he lied. So technically, you know, even though he passed a background check, he lied. And so, you know, purchased the gun illegally. But in, that, in any event, he passed the background check. And that's, this is, you know, we're, we're always told, well, background checks, universal background checks would, would stop, you know, keep everybody from, from uh, getting a firearm who shouldn't have one. And essentially, this is what the judge in this case um, it says in, in a roundabout way um, in, in, in his ruling. And uh, I'm trying to find the, the judge in here essentially says that um, uh, Judge Xavier Rodriguez, he says that had the, you know, the Air Force entered this, um, this data into, uh, into the system, it would have triggered um, a, a denial the the killer wouldn't have been able to purchase the guns and it would have it would have deterred uh him from carrying out the church shooting and so this is this kind of now while i think the the ruling is correct i kind of disagreed with with the reasoning that you know if, if he would if this information would have been there it would have stopped him because we see um many people get firearms that you know shouldn't have them um, they circumvent, you know, a background check uh, system or, you know, we, we went through and looked at, a, I forget how many, uh, 25 different mass shootings and how um, killers got their guns and 23 of them uh, out of the 25 passed background checks. So it's not like a foolproof thing. And I think, and I don't think the judge was making this argument essentially, but like, I think that it can be inferred that like, the the Nick's background check is like this flawless gatekeeping system that you know if, if you're you know that, that you know keeps the guns out of out of people's hands and it just doesn't it, it maybe in in some cases but not always and when when um you know when you have a system that is you know has multiple people pouring information in they put in erroneous information or bad information or not timely information or some you know agencies might not put in from it's just it it's not a perfect system and so to make it seem like it is um i think it's a false security uh you know it, it yep. provides false security but um but yeah, in, in this save the government, I mean, they, they, the original um, settlement was, they settled, the government a- agreed to settle, it was 86,000 million, 80, 86, $86 dollars less than what they initially uh, were on the hook for because they appealed and, um, and, and challenged the, 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 um, the suit, the lawsuit and everything. So yeah, this is one of those things where, you know, um, I don't know. Uh, it, it's a sad thing what happened. Uh, I don't. I don't think money, you know, takes away the pain and and and, and solves anything. But um, right, you know, there is a, a mechanism in our system, right? Uh, lawsuits for loss of life and things like that to to compensate and hopefully, um, you know, this is this is bring some sort of uh, I don't, don't want to say closure, but some sort of retribution or reckon. Uh, I don't know what word I'm looking for, but, um, you know, helps these families who, who suffered loss, uh, and, in and getting through, um, you know, the future yeah. without their, their family members. Well, you know, like you said, money, money's not going to bring anybody back or, or fix any, uh, 
problems you know related to the 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 losses of these individuals necessarily well in some cases yeah i mean obviously there's it's going to help those families uh that maybe um maybe they were impacted financially because of the loss of you know uh, a a caregiver a breadwinner whatever right Mm -hmm. but i think you know part of it is you got to make sometimes you need these types of cases this is true even on the civil suit side you know where sometimes you see things that are pretty pretty crazy you know massive massive dollar amounts that are uh, awarded towards uh, victims of various things that might seem a little bit crazy but sometimes that's necessary to create a uh, deterrent right to, uh, to to help ensure that something like that doesn't happen again um, now the government you know kind of has endlessly deep pockets but uh, this is a significant enough ruling that uh, hopefully it keeps things from happening again like this. Now, here's the thing. I put up a question. Do you guys think there's a case to be made to just do away with background checks for firearm purchases? I know many gun owners think background checks are a good thing, but others feel criminals will obtain firearms anyway. Plus, with these background check failures, kind of calls into question some of, you know, the and really the background check system is only as good as the information that's put into it, uh, the integrity of that information, right? And so, um, yeah, you see a background check system failure, and this was a major failure in this case. Uh, now, this guy may still obtain, like like you covered, Matt, Matthew, very well. He, okay, who's to say whether if he had been denied purchase of these firearms that he still would have, or that he still would have been able to just go ahead and get a gun anyway and do it, any, you know, do it anyway. Well, that's certainly a possibility, right? But uh, this is a system that's supposed to be put in place. It's supposed to be doing a particular job and it didn't do its job. And it's only as good as the, um, the information that's put into it and the human beings that are behind doing that job, those jobs and making sure it actually happens. So anyway, um, before we get to our, we've got one more story here and it's actually not so much legislative in nature, but uh, more of a, a new gun product that's been released to the market. Uh, but got to touch on a sponsor, which is KSG Armory today. KSG Armory Holsters. Uh, that's, fr- frankly, if I'm being honest and transparent, that's our company of holsters we, we acquired last year. Uh, we were thinking about starting a holster company anyway. And when the opportunity came to acquire uh, KSG Armory, a well-regarded, um, high-reputation brand known for top, top quality. I mean, a lot of times I see people talk about, you know, various inside waistband or especially appendix inside waistband carry holsters online. A lot of times KSG Armory is mentioned alongside the, the names of other very well, well-regarded companies as well. Um, so we're very honored to be a part of that brand now, uh, for your next concealment holster, you might consider checking out KSG Armory today, go to ksgarmory.com and we'd love to support you with one of our awesome, comfortable and super concealable holsters. Uh, it's been Humbling to me the type of feedback I've gotten from those that have reached out to me to let me know that this is one of their best holsters they've ever ever tried. And some of those guys have tried, and gals have tried, holsters from all kinds of companies. So, now, final story. All-new FN Reflex 9mm pistol designed for everyday carry. So, basically, what this is, is the FN has decided to get on the, uh, we'll call it the P365 train. Uh, that's basically what this gun is intended to compete with is guns in that, you know, we've kind of coined this new term micro compact, uh, since the P365 came out, 
Um, you know, there used to be things that we'd refer to as subcompact. And whether you think a P365 as a microcompact is in the same, uh, you know, boat as like an LCP or something like that. I don't know. It's beside the point. But this is this is kind of that new hot category, right? You see things like the P365, the Springfield Hellcat, the Smith & Wesson M&P Shield, uh, the Glock 43, 43X, 48, etc. They're all kind of in this not full, you know, not even mid-sized guns, um, but they have generally high capacity or fairly high capacity as far as more than 10 rounds capacity. So this new FN Reflex pistol uh, has with a flush fitting magazine, 11 rounds, 11 plus one. And there's an extended magazine available as well that brings it to 15 rounds and gives you essentially a full hand grip. Uh, If you look at the dimensions and the weight of it, it's right in the ballpark of all those other competitors I just mentioned a minute ago. I do not have personal you know, time with this. Haven't even seen one or held one, uh, but uh, looks, you know, if it's anything like I've seen from other FN pistols, I'm sure it's a, it's a solid gun. Uh, I had an FN 509 for, for a while, shot at a bunch, tested it, really liked that gun. Um, yeah. So this, this is just a micro sized version of that essentially from as far as I can tell. Yeah, and it has a, it's a single action internal hammer um, uh, action. So um, similar to the MMP uh, Shield EZ, which it should like like you, I haven't had one in my hand, but from what what um, what I've read, it makes it the gun a little bit easier to rack, um, and so that that might be appealing for some people. Um, it, you know, it, it, if, if you like FN, you probably like the firearm. Um, you know, it's, uh, I'm trying to th- think of the other things that are in here. They, they have an improved trigger, um, five pound trigger. Um, essentially, like you said, uh, it's, it's a, it's a, um, FN version or, you know, competitive, uh, pistol in that class. It's coming in. They said, uh, you know, MSRPs for anywhere from six hundred bucks um, to six fifty, um, so right around there. Red dot ready, of course. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't know. Uh, did we cover the the uh, capacity? It's a eleven or fifteen mm-hmm. round capacity. Yep. Um, you you probably cover that, but yeah, in in dimensions and. Uh, pretty right in right in line with those uh, those ones that you mentioned. So, yeah, if it if it interests you, you know, might be something to to watch for. Yep, yep. As you mentioned, optic ready, uh, so that it'll fit the basically the same optics that its competitors um, will. So the Shield RMSC footprint, the Halson K series optics, uh, Romeo Zeros, uh, that those those types of optics should drop straight onto the optic cut of this new FN reflex and uh, be fully compatible. Uh, it's got, got iron sights as well that uh, I'm guessing based on what I know about those optics, you probably still be able to get, you know, backup iron uh, kind of co-witnessing if you will um, through that optic. So great. Awesome. You know, more competition. I think it's a good thing. So if you're an FN lover uh, or fan, uh, this might be the gun for you if you're looking for something in that in that category. So there you go. Standard reflex runs five ninety nine. The optics ready uh, MRD version is six fifty nine. So 
There is a iron sight only version. It's a little bit cheaper. There you go. Well, that brings us to a conclusion of our episode here today. We appreciate you for joining us for this news and legislative updates episode of the concealed carry podcast. Uh, shout out again to our episode sponsors today, which were CCW safe. You can again, learn more and get signed up at ccwsafe.com. Don't forget about the discount code CC podcast to save 10%. And also KSG Armory, ksgarmory.com. By the way, KSG stands for knowledge, skills, gear. And Gabe, the previous owner of KSG Armory, uh, I, I think he was really onto something there. And I appreciate his uh, his ethos, if you will, and his, um, you know, what, what he was striving for with creating KSG Armory. You know, encouraging good knowledge, encouraging the development of skills, and then creating quality gear to support that. Well, that's that's a mission we're also very passionate about and that we hope to continue today with KSG Armory. You know, and I, I'm going to work on getting a discount code set up for listeners only of the podcast here. Uh, it's not live yet, but by the time you probably hear this in the podcast uh, form, I'll make sure we have a discount code for KSG Armory buyers. Same as the CCW Safe one. CC Podcast gets you 10% off of a KSG Armory holster today. So thank you so much, guys. Thank you for being a part of the, of the podcast. Matthew, thank you for joining me today. Thank you. We'll bid you adieu. We'll see you again, I, I hope, next week. And until next time, a reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. Mm-hmm.